Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, lads and lassies, and those that don't prescribe to a gender, welcome to the GOT Guy Questions Podcast with Spencer and Lee. Spencer! Say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer! Year and a half off, we're back. <laughs> we're back with new episodes of House of the Dragon. We've got Winds of Winter with so much to talk about. Dude, I, sure. I, I know every sure. now and then you can just Crickets. see distantly into the future. Crickets. I don't think this is one of those moments, though. Crickets. Crickets. Yeah, we've, we've not been with you for about a year. And I think our last update was like in the late 2019 range um, where House of the Dragon was announced. We were super excited. We thought, man, we'll do this update and we'll be back with you shortly, folks. And here we are midway through uh, 2021. And they just started production on House of the Dragon. And now, obviously, a lot of the delays in production were due to COVID. There's a global pandemic, so you can't really beat them up for that too much. But we are way behind schedule on new Game of Thrones content, Spencer. Way behind schedule. Well, it seems that the show itself has realized this and realized that they've done, I think it'd be fair to say, jack shit to advertise anything Game of Thrones related for like a year. And they've gone a complete 180 in terms of the amount of advertising content they're now suddenly throwing out. I don't know about you, but my YouTube box has been just utterly bombarded by non-stop videos as they've been trying to raise the Game of Thrones hype again as the new show is now coming on the horizon. Well, a couple things. Well, a couple things going on, and and these couple things are what we're here with you today to talk about. This is the update here on the Got Questions podcast. Um, well, first off, Game of Thrones turned 10, so that's it something. Um, 20, it debuted in t- spring of 2011, so it, it, it's 10 years old, and HBO launched a massive marketing campaign called Hashtag Marathon. They wanted everybody to rewatch Game of Thrones. And you know what? I know a lot of people rolled their eyes, possibly my co-host on this podcast. <laughs> and I will tell you this. I initially was like, uh, but then... I was on a like a I was on a like a weekend vacation with my wife and I was like had nothing to do in a hotel room and I thought, well, you know what? Fuck it, I'll give it a go. Like I'll just start a rewatch. And I realized that we had been away from the world for about two years. I had not really I'd not read anything Game of Thrones, I'd not watched anything Game of Thrones, and I thought, you know what, this is about the right time. I, enough space has got you know it's like that that sort of ex-girlfriend they haven't seen like after the breakup that was, wasn't real great and it's been just long enough that you're like you know what let's have a coffee you know right. what I, I would like to hear from you mm-hmm. that's kind of how it was with me in game of thrones although not a perfect uh analogy there because i really didn't break up with game of thrones i didn't really dislike season eight but i think that's kind of what happened with the general fandom is it was like you know what enough time has passed since since our last fight it was really it was really bad um, and I'm going to jump back into it. And a surprising number of people engaged in this rewatch. Spencer. A lot of people were doing it. It was, it was buzzing online. Yep. For you, it was more like of a bad meal rather than an open wound that needed time to heal. Of where you've just you know forgotten the flavor that was in your mouth rather than many of the rest of us have had really needed an opportunity for it to scab over. Yeah, and I'll I'll be honest, and I told you this. Like I don't mind admitting this. Like part of my problem with going back to the world now is that. I'm just, I loved the show. Like, I we started Mangum Talks because you and I like talking about Game of Thrones. The whole Mangum Talks podcast channel, all of the mini podcasts that we do now, were started just because you and I like this show and mm-hmm. we like talking about it. And I don't have any problems admitting that I'm just sad it's over. And when I go back to it, a lot of times I just get really bummed out. But, you know... I think we're going to have at least some more written material. I don't know. Maybe Fire and Blood 2, maybe uh, Winds of Winter, maybe some more Dunkin' Eggs. I think think George will give us something. And we're also getting House of the Dragon, which, boom, transition. (laughs) Look how I did that. Co-host. Beautifully done. Um, Beautifully. 
that's the second thing we have to talk about. We also are going to get House of the Dragon. So we're going to get a follow-on TV series. And so part of my problem with the constant rewatches and, and still jumping in the world after season eight wasn't that I was mad at season eight. It was that I was just really, really sad this thing was over that I cared mm-hmm. a lot about. But we're going to get a new show. Yeah, and one of the biggest complaints that you've had and one we've t- really taken HBO to task with is that they didn't have something immediately lined up is that they were coming off one of the most successful shows on television, with, though a rough ending that people didn't like, still a massive amount of fan hype associated with it. And they didn't have something immediately ready to go, which seemed like a massive misstep on their part. And it's taken two years solid for them to even announce the next show is coming is coming down the pipe, at least a year out in the future. Which, you would agree, seems like HBO dropped the ball a bit when it came to that. 100%. Like, I'm not mad at them for season eight. Like, I know I'm in the minority there. Like, you, you don't, you look, I'm not going to tell people what to do on the internet because when you try to tell people what to do on the internet, all Barbara Streisand effect. Do whatever you want to do on the internet. But, like, kill me in the comments if you want. That's fine. I didn't hate season eight. I mm. thought it was rushed, but I thought where they got was ultimately fine. And I rather enjoyed some of the episodes. I can go back to Last of the Starks. I can go back uh, to the big battle that everybody claims they can't see, even though you really can see it. Like, uh, I can go back to some of that stuff in season eight and really enjoy it. So I don't, I don't not mad at HBO for season eight. I'm mad that it ended and it was over. Like, and they had nothing. And like, this mm-hmm. is a world that has this more than maybe any fantasy world except for Tolkien, and maybe even more than Tolkien. It's like I'm not even sure. I don't know no, enough about Tolkien to really like have a like a real um, informed opinion on this. But it might be the most expansive fantasy world we've ever gotten that is broken through to the cultural zeitgeist. Like, that has gotten very popular. Fair point there, yeah. And it is massive. So they have no excuse for not having something ready. And we've talked about this before. I thought that the thing to do, the move was, I understand it's going to take a while to get a new TV series going. Mm-hmm. I thought the move was, like, every year on the year, a two-hour, like, Dunkin' Egg, like, made-for-TV movie. Like Absolutely. An HBO movie. Do like, the B- just something. Just do it BBC style. There's a format for doing this of bringing out the same actors for just short, you know, quick little snippets every few years, and it could work. It's a bit of a hard thing with a young with a young child actor, but you could still pull it off and make make it successful. But I feel like the HBO had really just let D and D kind of do their own thing with this and really run it without necessarily much oversight, and so. When they essentially announced they didn't want to do it anymore and became kind of pariahs in the fandom, didn't seem like HBO had a plan B for who would helm the next idea. So I've got a theory here. And before I jump into my theory on this, I want to go back to the first segment here that we were talking about, which is the Game of Thrones rewatch, which is mm-hmm. part of, you know, smaller reason, but yet some of the reason we're checking in. I implore everyone listening, if you're listening to this, you're probably a Game of Thrones fan. Just give it a shot. Just try. If you go through, if you go through the first three seat, the three episodes of season one, and you're not back into it, and you're not having a good time, then turn it off. No harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. But I have really, really enjoyed it, and I would, I would um, recommend to anyone who really enjoyed the world, and either you're sad that it's over like me, or you hated season eight and you thought it was absolutely abysmal. Just give it another go because yeah. the rewatch has been a lot, a lot of fun for me. I've had a blast. I've been online like most nights, like engaging uh, on social with folks who are rewatching it. And if you're rewatching it, always feel free to go back to the back catalog of the GOT Got podcast. Listen mm-hmm. to our coverage of it mm-hmm. because we covered mm-hmm. um, we covered most of season one and we did season seven and eight. Now, let me transition to my theory about what happened here with HBO and why we didn't get something right away. 
I think it's probably a very, it, it, there's not, you, there's probably a lot of reasons, right? But here is at least, a, at least like a 35% of, it, of the answer mm-hmm. is that I think that the executives at HBO, I think that D&D did a very good job of convincing them about the season three to season five, six range mm-hmm. that what they were doing, they alone were capable of doing. That they had some sort of magical grip on this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. they were able to translate Martin into the big screen in a way that no one ever would because, oh my God, this guy is like long-winded and the world is too big and mm-hmm. he never finishes anything. And But we have, we were the, Hundreds the of Martin characters whisperers and we can do this. And HBO had this sense that what D and D um, was doing something magical here, and that they were uniquely talented in what they were doing, and I do not think that is at all the case. Like I, I'm not trying to sit here and trash D and D, but I don't think that's the case. And I think that it's obvious that it's not the case by how little control they had on an episode to episode basis. Yeah, they had control of the plot, but like on like wins a winner, like Sapochnik had almost complete creative control to yeah. to do that episode. And that's the best episode they ever did, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that. They, they had they had this sense that D and D were were doing something magical. They were unique in their talent and their ability to to translate this world and put it onto the big screen. And I don't think I think they were intimidated by the idea of trying to move on from them and hand it to somebody else. I'd almost be curious to know what the terms of their contract were because there may also have been an element of exclusivity going on here too. Is that they were the ones that got permission from Martin to adapt his work, and that until they yielded it and ter- or, or until the terms of their contract ran out. HBO may not have even had permission to get anybody else helming a different show until that. So was I think the case. I know that. I think I know that. I think that they bought Martin's world from Martin, mm-hmm. and they gave exclusive ability to do the book series, mm-hmm. the main book series to D and D. So I think you're right that they couldn't have just like sacked D and D and been like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna run this for season eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, which all of us think it should have done mm-hmm. because D and D wasn't willing to do it, so they had to kind of like take the lead from D&D and the whole thing crapped out in season eight relatively fast. It, it, it puts us in a fascinating little situation though, because you and I, a year and a half ago, when you and I last talked about the various potential shows that they were debating and considering, it was still a certain element of uncertainty about which one would actually go to air, which one would make beyond the pilot, which one would be the new flagship. Now, at least, well, at least for now, we know which is the one that HBO is putting their eggs in the basket with respect to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about that decision about where we've ended up? Because several different options has now been condensed to one. How do you feel about them essentially adapting a part of Fire in the Blood as their next flagship show? So I think, so for the, for the uninitiated, for those who aren't like killing this online, like like myself and, and maybe to a lesser extent you, Spitzer, but at least some somewhat you, um... They are going, they are adapting Fire and Blood, the book Fire and Blood that Martin wrote. Now, it is an anthology of Hundreds the of Targaryens, years. of the Targaryen history, the Targaryen history, um, starting with Aegon the Conqueror and going all the way up through uh, about midway through. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the name of the king that he stops at, but it's about halfway through. It's book one of, of a two volume thing he's planned. So he's planning on Fire and Blood volume two that will take you all the way through Robert's Rebellion. Uh, yeah, go ahead. With, with Fire in the Blood particularly, building up to and kind of ending with the aftermath of the Dance of Dragons, where it's not necessarily the focus of the whole tale, it's really kind of the back half of it, but it's really even the even the events of the Conquest are kind of leading up to what led to the downfall and the more current state of the of House Targaryen going into the kind of Dunk and Egg and eventually Robert's Rebellion world. 
Now, if you haven't read House or Fire and Blood, I will say this to you. Um, <laughs> I love Martin. I love his world. This is the hardest thing to read of anything Martin has ever done in this world for me. It was extremely difficult to get through. I feel like I didn't take it all in, and I'm not sure I'm going to do a second read. And I, it, it's difficult because I think, this is my, only my opinion here, folks, that Martin wrote it in a very lazy way. What he did is he said, I want to put the Targaryen history out there. And I don't want to have to actually write like a book like about it. Mm -hmm. So the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to pretend that, of course, it's all pretend, but I am going to write in the voice of an archmaster just (laughs) documenting the history, just flatly saying it. So instead of telling you a story about how, um, you know, Prince Daemon and Rhaenyra Targaryen, you know, uh, fled to Dragonstone at a certain point of the Dance of the Dragons. And telling you a story through POV characters about how they got there. Instead, he just black and white on page says, Prince uh, Damon and Rhaenyra Targaryen went to Dragonstone. Like he just says it because right. it's it's the Archmaester writing the history. So I find it to be, while there's a lot of great stuff there, an incredibly lazy thing for an author to do. That, it, that's just my opinion. It, it's a stylistic cover for laziness, like you said. And it's such an interesting thing. And I think it disappointed a fair amount of people because he'd already come out with, you know, a kind of encyclopedia in terms of the world of the world, the world of ice and fire, which actually is really, really good. If you haven't, if you haven't and that, that that's the interesting thing because that's also, that is written from perspectives. That's written with a, a certain particular style posed upon it. That's a fun read. Now, it's a mixed bag. There are different writers that go in there, and it's apparent when it shifts to a certain degree. For sure, yeah. But it's still it's still fun. It's still well-written. It's still interesting, even in the moments that drag aren't, aren't as good style. This was... People were so excited about this because it was focusing on this particular fascinating era. We've gotten little snippets and short stories and other works about previously. And then it comes out, and it's a textbook. It is dry as toast. It's interesting toast. It's interesting enough material, but it is presented in a way that is so academic that it's hard to get in it. You bought me a copy, and I appreciate you did, but I basically treat it as kind of more of a reference guide rather than something I can just sit down and devour the way I usually do for his works. And I don't blame you, and I don't blame you at all, and I I, I had trouble getting through it. Um, And I, I just think that I just got the feeling as I was reading it that, like, this was just a really easy thing for Martin to write because he was mm-hmm. able to just vomit out the history of the Targaryens for us in a way that required no real authorship, no real like work, like uh, you know narratives or like you know character building or you know all this stuff that we really like. There's some stuff like we we talk a lot about in in the Game of Thrones community about <clears throat> the world and how great the world creation is that Martin did. And he did do, do great world creation. Mm-hmm. But there's also like technical stuff about these books that are really, really complicated and fun, which is like the like the intersection of all the POV yes. uh, chapters. And when he chooses to give you a certain POV of a certain character, like with the fact that like when he just threw us a Melisandre chapter, like mm-hmm. that napalm that he threw in the middle <laughs> yeah. of it was amazing. That sort of stuff, you're just not going to get with Fire and Blood. And I I, while I, if you love the world and, and, and you want to learn about the Targaryen history and you want to be prepped for House of the Dragon, by all means, go buy it, read it. I just find it to be like a pretty lazy thing for him to have done and I'm not like super impressed by it. What? Fire and Blood is going to be such an interesting basis for an adaptation because we've talked about before that part of what led to a downfall in quality for Game of Thrones was when they ran out of material, that they were much better at adapting material to the screen than they were in terms of 
inventing it out of whole cloth or cutting it out of whole cloth based on some very limited notes. And there seemed to be a stark decline in the later seasons, at least part in result of that. Because as you said, it's not only just the world that he builds and the information he puts to the page, it's how it's presented that makes Game of Thrones so remarkable at times. Here, it's going to place the showrunners in such a fascinating position of where they've got all the events. They've got all the facts. They've got a trove of material that they can go through for this. But they have none of the presentation to make it a proper account to portray on the screen. They're going to have to invent that all themselves. Because mm -hmm. if they just went through this line by line, it would be the dullest of mid-1980s History Channel specials. And so they can't do that. So they have to use all of the creative craft that Martin didn't use in putting down this information to make it a comprehensive, well-enjoyed narrative. And that's... So long as they bring in somebody that's confident doing that going forward, it's a massive amount of potential. But it's just that potential. We don't know how that's going to land because we can't count on Martin's original craft to sustain it in the way we could for the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Right. And in that vein, Martin is not writing scripts for this. So all no. the people complained about Wins Winter not being written, like, calm down. He's not writing scripts for this. So, but, so we're not going to get Martin's, like, actual, like, voice as far as the dialogue, right? Like, and so, but let's back up a little bit. So we, we had started down this road of, like, what House of the Dragon is going to be. Mm. It is Fire and Blood, like we've been talking about, but it is not the whole book, Fire and Blood. It's actually just a sliver of it. It's just the Dance of the Dragons, which mm -hmm. just the Targaryen Civil Wars, just the lead up to Ares Targaryen, I believe it's Ares Targaryen, his death, and... Um, Viser the, Viserys Targaryen. Viserys, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. I always screw that. Viserys Targaryen, um, his death, I think we're going to get Viserys in probably like the he, first season. He, he is cast, so yes. Yeah. And his death, and then the struggle between um, Rhaenyra Targaryen and Aegon Targaryen. You got it. Um, uh, and, the, and the Civil War. So it's just going to be that sliver. So... Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I, I I think you're just going to get a few seasons of this. I don't think this is. The, I don't think this has. I mean, unless what unless they do a thing where they're like, okay, we're going to do two seasons of the Dance of Dragons, and then um, we're going to start telling other parts of the Targaryen story, and they start jumping around. But you're not going to get like eight seasons of the same cast with this. That that is off the table. They can't they can't do that the way they've structured it. Yeah, and I feel like this is a an easy call for them about what other area of Game of Thrones history that they could focus upon. Because among the other ones they were considering, they were originally considering doing one that was a flashback to the original building of the wall, to the, to the original first night, to when Bran the Builder and everybody else allied together with the uh, Children of the Forest to fight back. They got, Naomi, what, they got like, Naomi Watts for that, right? They, they the pilot? That was the one they originally were going to treat as the flagship. They'd thrown a lot of money into that potential, and apparently the pilot just sucked. Well, it's kind of hard to believe that you take a story that's set 3,000 years before, you know, the story that we know of with all new characters. And it's uh, a mythical, like mythical story about how the wall was formed. Uh, isn't going to like grab you right away. I mean, like, this it, is that my was problem. always a dumb call. This is my fucking problem with this. Right. Is that the, like, let, let's let's play the game. All right, Spencer, mm. you, Spencer. You are now HBO executive. Oh, okay. Yes, go. Yeah. All right. You now, um, you are running HBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're in season five of Game of Thrones. We're getting ready to go to season six. And the suits, your the, the underlings that you have come to you and go, well, they, they say that D&D is only going to do up to season eight. And that's it. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you green light? 
What, well, what do we do? Because what they did is him hawed, him hawed, started Blood Moon, stopped Blood Moon, and then just pulled the trigger on House of the Dragon a year and a half what, afterwards. Absolutely. What should, would you do? Absolutely, they had to pick something. They had to get something in the pipe. They had to get it going. I feel like they were hamstrung by executive decisions in terms of getting permission from Martin to do what would have been the most obvious calls that they could have done. Most obvious one they could have done to get you know, the fan base immediately on board would be Robert's Rebellion. You have so many of the same characters. You have so many of the same events. It's a comfortable set of clothing to fit on. It's not a big transition. And it's a short format show that you can do as you then plan for your bigger one to come afterwards. So when, when caveat is you're giving your answer, they bought the world to Martin. They could have done whatever they wanted to do. Now getting Martin to help you is a different story, but they could do whatever they wanted to do. But Martin came out very publicly at kind of the time when this was occurring and said that he didn't think that was a good idea, that it's all already been written, that there's nothing new to do there, and he kindly poo-pooed it early. Right, you're right. But, 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 my, but my point is, is in this like little experiment that we're doing, HBO, what my point is, is that even though Martin said, I don't want him to do Robert's Rebellion, they could have done it. They bought the world. They could have done it. They, they just couldn't. He probably wouldn't have helped them that much. And they clearly wanted that point him on board kind of thing. So that, that was one, didn't go anywhere. An obvious second choice is Dunkin' Egg. It's easy. It's serial. They're, they're short little novellas that you easily could do in a season. You can do several of them together. You can space them out several years. It could be another one that buys you time to then invest millions into your next show. And again, it's set in the same universe, only about 100 or so years before. A lot of recognizable houses earlier on. Even some recognizable characters we're going to see them play out in the show. So that's another easy call. But again, Martin said, I want to adapt that myself. I want to continue, I want, I want to continue writing that. I don't want to get in a situation of where they get ahead of me again. I've only written so many of them. So again, that hamstrung them, I think, a bit on doing that one. So they were then left a situation of, okay, if those two don't work, the most obvious ones are out of the way, what do I turn to? Blood and Moon was the dumbest damn decision they ever could have made in terms of answering that question. And that's the problem with listening to Martin, because that's what Martin pushed. Martin wanted them to do the long night, right? We and so that's that's where they did the pilot, because Martin was pushing for it, and it was shit, like you would have expected. It's, it's the dumbest call, because you've basically already done it. You've you've already dealt, you've already had several seasons building up to that. What new are you going to do? You've got character. You basically have almost nothing written about that period. It's all in the mythical age. It could be fun to write it fresh, but it's not going to be that interesting in terms of either new events or it's going to be too new in the sense that it's going to be all new characters with no prior association to anything that the fan base currently knows. So that was never going to be wise. You and I were kind of a gritting our teeth when they originally heard that that was the one they were going to focus on. So. All right, well, it's Game of Thrones material. I guess it might, it'll probably be okay. So, mm -hmm. yep. I don't have many regrets that that one's gone. So, in that world, then, I, at that time, probably would have pushed hard for the two things they now are actually seemingly seriously considering doing, or one we know what they're doing, is focus on the Targaryen history. It's grounded enough in current events. It's grounded enough in at least the established enough characters you can connect them back to things the fan base know. It's focusing on the history of the Targaryens, which are always the most fascinating families. It's got a massive amount of material by Martin already writ written on it. And it, it, to a certain degree, already writes itself because Martin's already put it to the page. And then if you're going to do that, it seems like doing the Dance of Dragons is a very transitionary way of doing that because it kind of fits into, fits into the same themes you did with Game of Thrones already. It's inner, it's inner scene warfare. It's the houses going at each other. It's the it's the collapse of the established order. The new order tries to reassert itself. 
it feels like an easy enough way for the fan base to get back on board with something that feels comfortable. It's just, as you've noted, the mistake they made was waiting two years to even get started on that. Yeah. I mean, I think your answer is about where, where I would, I mean, I would, I would have definitely um, done Robert's rebellion. I think that's the, the obvious answer because it's characters that, you know, um, that would have been a good, a good stop gap. I think the answer dragons is a fine idea. That one, that one's pretty high up there for me, but I also probably would have kicked her. They seemed to like just complete. I don't know if it was like a way the contracts were written or something, but they seemed to completely close the door on this idea, but I would have kicked around the idea of being like, Hey, um, Maisie Williams, like, are you, you are, are you just fucked off to the end of the world? Like, are you interested in maybe like a show? Like, you know, like maybe something in the, the same projected timeline of Game of Thrones where they, you just take a character or two, you take John north of the wall or you take Arya off in the ship or you take Sansa in the north with Bran, you know, mm-hmm. ruling King's Landing and you take those two, you take some component of the cast and you, you run it back for, for a few more seasons in that same timeline. I mean, I would, that would have been on the table for me too. Do you think Martin would have okayed it? Uh, but again, I, I'm not sure. I think in your in the way you're talking about this, you have, you seem to have a different understanding of it than I do. You seem to think that Martin needs to okay these things. That's not my. That's not what I've read or, or what I well, understand it. My understanding is that they bought the world from him. They can pretty much do whatever they want to. Um, it you know he can complain about it and he can choose not to be. Um, an active participant in the production of it, but he can't stop them from making the story. I quit. I'm, I'm in the not, same way he couldn't stop them from doing season season seven and eight, even though he fucking hated the the story there. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Now, I'm with you that I, it's ambiguous to me how they bought his rights because I know just this year he signed another multi million dollar contract for selling of rights with respect to, to HBO. So there's clearly something that he held back. There's clearly something that he's just now offered. I don't know the particular parameters that how it worked, but. Regardless of that, like you said, they want the author to be on page, particularly with where the show ended up, where a lot more people, a lot more people are trusting him than necessarily trusting HBO's hand-selected authors to do this. So, for the new transition, new show to work, they very much wanted him to give the kind of green light approval. It seems they've eventually found that. For me, the main one I wanted them to do was the Targaryen Conquest. That's what I thought would be a really ambitious show. That it could be ju- it could be new enough that you can separate yourself from what the Game of Thrones did, but still set in the same world, and you could have gone any directions you wanted. That it could have led naturally to then go in time to any events that go further from that in the future to eventually reach back at the present. But that costs a hell of a lot more money, I think, to do that than probably a more transitionary Dance of Dragons focus. Maybe I don't know. I mean, Dance of Dragons is going to be pretty expensive. So let the, now let now let's um, talk about why we why we pulled this together, why we why we jumped on the pod today, and that is they have begun production of House of the Dragon officially. Spencer, it's actually begun. Uh, no more yeah. eye rolls. Yeah. No more meh. Yeah. No more nah. Yeah. It has yeah. begun. It has started. Yeah. We have set pictures. Watchers on the Wall is back, baby. They're back. Uh, they're, 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 they're back with Constant drones. spies and everywhere. paying locals and spies to check out production um, <laughs> equi- uh, production crews and equipment and the whole thing. And they have pictures. Watchers of the Wall has started. And so, here's what we know. Um, they are starting with Queen Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra? Rhaenyra? I'm very curious to see how they pronounce it because it's a weirdly damn spelled name. Yeah. um, Rhaenyra, I think is the way I pronounce it. But anyway, um, she is an adult. Very much so. Because Mm -hmm. she is being played by um, Emma Darcy, which is a... She's like a grown woman. And Mm -hmm. you have Daemon Targaryen, 
who's like her her uncle Bo, mm-hmm. being played by Matt Smith. Great casting. Matt Smith um, played Prince Philip in The Crown in season four of The Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. We killed it as Prince Philip. He looks like a Targaryen to me. Big bony features. <laughs> really thin guy. Tall. He is, yes. Um, I think he's going to be great. Uh, and we have, we actually have vi- uh, uh, pictures of them in costume filming. Um, I'm looking at it right now on Watchers in the Wall. Go check it out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's, it's just amazing how much filming and costume work they're doing for a show that's not going to come out for, th- for two to three years. Uh, now, see, that's another thing. That, that, they've said that it's coming out next year. Spencer, you are on record saying you don't think it's going to come out next year. I don't. I just don't know of any an example of another show that, like, other than Game of Thrones season eight, that started filming in a year and didn't debut the year after. So, like, I don't know where. I don't know. I mean, all HBO shows do that. They all are put out the year after they are filmed. So, I'm not quite sure where where your, your distrust is coming from, other than just the fact that it's Game of Thrones and your just assumption that anything related to Game of Thrones, anything we're promised to get will come later than what we were keep, keep in mind, the two main... Well, yeah, that's a fair point there in terms of the books, but the two most recent data points we've had are kind of a fumbling in terms of production from them. The Blood and Moon failed outright with the pilot in terms of massive investment and massive planning that went into that. Uh, Game, of Th- Game of Thrones, its uh, original pilot failed entirely, and they had to refilm that, and it delayed it in heavily in terms of it originally coming out. It's not that unusual for the original production of a Game of Thrones-related show to struggle a little bit to get to a coherent format to release. And as you noted, the cost of this, as much as I think it's a little bit more compressed than you know the uh, Targaryen Conquest would have been, it's going to be high for just the sheer amount of dragon-on-dragon combat that will necessarily character the later episodes of this show. So here's my here's my counter to that is it was so and this goes into a point I wanted to talk about is this show is different than a lot of the shows like just hey audience like the shows that you normally li- like like that, that you have experienced this show is taking a different um, way to get there it's it's a different journey for this show it was it was ordered straight to series that is a very rare thing there is no pilot. There's no, there's no pilot that they're filming. It mm-hmm. is straight to series. When they started production of this, they started production on 10 episodes. And why I think they're going to be able to hit the ground running is COVID did delay production. They were supposed to start last year. Mm-hmm. They had a year to get these scripts in order. Literally. Of the people associated with the show sitting at home for a year with nothing to do other than to plan <laughs> the production and to write the fucking scripts. So I have like... And, and, and the people associated with the show are, are pretty, like, Miguel Sopochnik's, like, the main the main showrunner. Like, I, I trust that guy. I think that he knows what he's doing. So I don't think they just sat on their hands for a year. I think that they worked on the scripts. And the fact that this is a straight-to-series order and not a pilot, then we'll see situation, like Game of Thrones was, like Blood Moon was, like so many of your shows are, mm-hmm. I think you are going to get it in 2022. And, I, and that gets to another point I want to talk about, which is, I also think the viewing experience of this is going to be slightly different for folks who are really paying attention than a normal show. So we have another podcast that we're doing right now called The Nevers More Podcast, where we talk about The Nevers, which is on HBO. And mm-hmm. um, check it out if you haven't you haven't checked it out. We, we review week by week uh, episodes of The Nevers. And that show, episode one, 
had a markedly different feel for me than episode two and three. And I'm guessing what we'll get in later episodes. And a lot of shows are like that where you get the first episode and it's a, it's all over the place. It's, it's either, either the actors look younger (laughs) or because it was shot a year before, or Mm -hmm. it's in different locations or it's just disjointed or it's too much like it was in the nevers, like too much jam packed into it. And that's because of this model of go film your first episode, bring it to me, studio executive, and I will tell you if you get the rest. This show is not going by that model. It is when they started production, they are starting production on 10 episodes, not one. And then tell me later. So I think you're going to get it in 2022, but I also think you might, I hope, it might feel a little bit more streamlined as it starts mm-hmm. in episode one to going into two and three, as opposed to some other shows we've seen. That'll be a, a more structured whole rather than an initial episode of essentially marketing to executives. That's my hope is that it's going to feel like episode one is of a part as opposed to episode one is just this standalone thing. And then they had to figure out the rest what? of the series. Sir, we do love to do side bets on this show. We've done side bets on all kinds of things before. Would you like to place a bet on the subject of whether this comes out in 2022 or 2023? Um, I would. Yes. Okay. I would like to bet that it will debut in calendar year 2022. I will, I will bet 2023. What would you like to put on this? Am I donating money to, 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 to an uh, animal refuge again? Yes, let's bet a hundred dollars, um, and let's just do do, do a charity for choosing. You, you want to do, you want to do the same two as last time? There you go. Uh, all right, hundred bucks that this will come out in twenty twenty two. You're guessing twenty twenty three. What happens if it comes out late twenty twenty two? I'll standards? give you later. I'll give you later. I'll give. I'll take just twenty twenty two. Okay. And you can take all the rest of the years. All right, fine enough. And we're saying the first episode, I presume, right? Otherwise, I'm not going to get a half. We're not going to split this if half of it comes out in 2022. Exactly. When it premieres, it will premiere in 2022. That is my bet. I will put $100 on that. I'm happy to do it. Okay. There we go. We've memorialized here on the GOT Guy Questions podcast. Folks, you are witnesses to this. Spencer will be giving $100 to me. <laughs> so you say. Because they, they, they should be as I am betting on it. They've history. already done it. I am um, betting on extensive HBO Game of Thrones history here. I am confident in my choice. I don't think I don't think you're gonna I don't think Sapochnik is the type of guy who who gets delayed for a year. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I've never met the guy personally, but what I what I've seen to have gleaned from the guy is that he gets his shit done. That's uh, what he seems to he do. He gets episodes done. He's not run a show before, and I'll be curious to see how that plays out for him. For sure. Okay. So anything else we want to talk about about the, the brand new news? House of the Dragon is now in production. Anything that you've seen on the internet? Um, any other spoilers? Anything you want to talk about? One of the things that we saw for Game of Thrones was just a continual rise in viewership happening over the course of every season. Of where the original season was not widely watched. HBO was still proud of the numbers just because they didn't have anything else to really offer at the period. And it was a new kind of format for them in terms of this heavily invested new, uh, new show in a fantasy setting. It rose momentously to the just incredible heights that the last season did in terms of viewership is the one of the most popular shows on television at the time the most yeah it's been two years fan base responded pretty negatively the last season and a half last two seasons where do you think this one will fall in terms of initial viewership numbers when it comes out so one thing i will say about the game of thrones first season is that it it it, it did you're right it did tick up but there the first season did get more viewers than the first season of Westworld or the first season of the Nevers is getting. So like it still did pretty well for a first season. 
Um, but you're absolutely right about the upward trajectory and how it got to just this man. I mean, it became the most popular show in HBO history. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I, I think maybe the last season of The Sopranos might have rivaled it, but I mean, it was it was absolutely all consuming in 2019 when that thing was running in season eight. I think they're going to get maybe a f- fifth, sixth of the average. Um, the average audience for season eight, maybe on the, on the, on the premiere, I can't guarantee what's going to happen after premiere, right? Cause you might get 20%, maybe 18% of the game, the built-in game of Thrones audience from season eight, mm-hmm. join you, join you on the premiere. And if the premiere blows, it's just going to fall all apart. So I don't know, but I think that's what they'll start with. What do you think? I think that's fair. I think they're not starting as if this is just the first show coming out of nowhere. But there's definitely an element that they're starting fresh with this. It's been enough time. It's a different location. There are bru- there are bruised opinions, but also fresh takes. I can't imagine it's going to st- anywhere start start anywhere near the heights of the last season. But I also can't imagine it's going to start at the I wouldn't say lows, but the much lower numbers that the first season began with. It's going to be somewhere in between. I think so too. Um... One other bit of spoilers that we got from from the the drones over the production um, is that they are uh, they're gonna they're gonna film at least early on um, in Driftmark, which is the the seat of House Valerion, so that we're gonna get some some of the liege the liege lords of uh, the Blackwater Bay. So that's pretty cool, liege lords of um, of, of Dragonstone. If I mean from everything we've seen that Martin's written this period. There's a lot of incredibly loud, interesting characters to go with there. They've got a stellar potential cast of characters that they can put to screen. And that's one of the things that makes me ultimately kind of confident about this, where they've got seemingly a good cast from what we've seen so far, they've got a great showrunner, and they've had time to invest in this, and also the material they're drawing from, though it's not been completely put into a narrative format, is fascinating. So... Hey, damn me! I'm actually kind of hopeful. This will be the Game of Thrones material I've been hoping for. I think it'll, I think it'll be good. But obviously, as we move forward in the production schedule and as they wrap production, as they start um, post, and then they start all of the marketing leading up to the premiere, we will be with you, folks, here on the GOT Got Questions podcast. I don't know if we're going to start another podcast feed for House of the Dragons or not. That news we will we will supply you with at a later date. But for now, anything Game of Thrones related or House of the Dragon related at all, we will be um, we will be with you here. You can check us out on the GOT Got Questions podcast feed. Spencer, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? See you in twenty twenty three. See ya in about eight months, folks. And I will be bragging about the $100 I take from Spencer. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Not sure when we'll be back, but we will be back when we have more news on the Game of Thrones world. Thanks, everybody. See you.